You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hello, everyone. It's Robin McMahon. Welcome to Parenting Our Future and welcome to another episode all on tricky behaviors. This is going to be so helpful for so many of you who struggle with behavior from your kiddos that drives you crazy. So my guest today is Andrew Fuller, and he's kind of a big deal. I don't want to brag, but he's kind of a big deal. Wait till I tell you all the things that he does. So Andrew is an honorary fellow at the University of Melbourne. He has acted as the scientific consultant for ABC TV on the science of teenage brains. He's the principal consultant for the National National Drug Prevention Society, our strategy, REDI, an ambassador for Mind Matters, a member of the National Coalition Against Bullying. I'm not done yet. And the co-director of the Resilient Youth Australia. And he is the author of numerous books, including Your Best Life at Any Age and Tricky Behaviors, which is why we're here talking today. Welcome, Andrew. It's so nice to have you here. Great to be with you, Robin. Thank you. It's a delight. Thank you so much. So um, I want to read a little something um, that, uh, that, that is about you in front of you. So just bear with me for a second, because I think this is really important for, for parents to hear who are listening in. So you understand that while tricky behavior can often be challenging and confronting to parents, yes, it does and can be, these children are often the ones that are incredibly gifted academically or creatively and frequently grow up to be the movers and shakers of the world. Uh, Passive resistance, competitive, manipulative, aggressive, moody, or argumentative traits can often disguise anxieties and stresses that children cannot articulate. And so your philosophy is to really get underneath the behavior to find out what drives it. And I love that so much because that is like, that's my jam. That is what I'm all about. So I'm so excited to talk to you about this. And what I think we need to do is first define what you mean by tricky behaviors. Sure. Um, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for describing that, Robin. Um, so kids, I think, are a bit like belly buttons, really. There's innies and there's outies. And so the outies, basically, when there's something wrong, everybody knows of them. And the whole family kind of trembles in, kind of, uh, in reaction to what's going on. The innies basically keep it all inward and nobody would guess that they're kind of going through this sort of turmoil. And that, so they present different challenges for parents. Now, often it's much more popular to focus on the outies because, of course, it's so obvious but the innies actually can cause a lot of anxiety for parents. So tricky behaviours really are those things that are challenging. So it's, you know, it's being manipulative, it's being oppositional, obstinate, difficult to control, temper tantrums, all the kind of wonderful stuff that basically um, sends parents basically for, you know, some sort of relief at some stage. That's a, that's a really important issue. So it's not, I mean, it's, it cuts across diagnoses as well so it's not i'm not saying these are children who necessarily warrant diagnosis although some of them 
some people, some kids who do have diagnoses will also have tricky behaviours. So it's not that. So understanding this as a sort of as a group of behaviours is actually more useful, I think, than having a diagnosis. So it's starting to think about basically what's going on for them, how can we understand that, and how do we create a family where there's more harmony, harmony and kind of less conflict. Yeah, I, I think some of these tricky behaviors and even some of these diagnoses, they take over the entire family, right? It's not just a one child thing, it's everybody gets wrapped up in it. Yeah, and the reason why I called it tricky behaviors was because sometimes a diagnosis can blind you to the strengths of a child. Mm. And so sometimes we forget that there's much more to this kid than whatever the diagnosed problem is. And as you beautifully summarized, I mean, the, there's, these are the movers and shakers of the future. These aren't the kids who just accept the status quo. These yeah. aren't the kids who just go along and do the conventional stuff. They, they shake up society, you know, and while they may not shake it up in a way that we always want them to, yeah. um, it's certainly they're the ones that carve the path for the future. And I guess, you know, in society, we've always needed young people who are bold enough and brave enough to basically have that kind of, that sort of gung-ho attitude and, well, damn, that, I'm going to do this instead. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. I, I really, I really love what you said that the diagnosis can blind you to the gifts and the, and the, and the beautiful qualities of the child. Very true. And I, I remember when we were first entering into finding out, you know, what really made my oldest son tick. Um, my first appointment that I had with a psychologist that was doing a psych ed assessment with him. I said, I'm really scared of you. I don't want to label my kid. I don't want, you know, this label to follow him so that people don't see the, the light that he is. Um, and I've learned too that, you know, sometimes the diagnosis does help to say, oh, it's not your fault. It's just that thing, you know? So, so I think it can kind of go both ways. Um, and, I, and I, at the same time, you know, I still think we parent the same way, right? We parent to look underneath the behavior, right? Regardless of whether or not there is a diagnosis, right? Like my son has never been uh, diagnosed with ODD, but he has it. Like everybody that talks to, to me about him, he's like, oh yeah, he has ODD. And I'm like, yeah, I know, yeah. but what does it matter? It doesn't matter. You know, I don't need it. I don't need a label. I don't need a diagnosis. We know it, right? <laughs> yeah. So an so, example of that was the kids who, who want to argue I mean, one of my favorite groups of kids really are the kids that just want to argue about everything, right? Mm. And they're a legendary bunch of kids because, you know, often their first word was no. Nah. Their, their first phrase is no way. And their first full sentence was no way. You're not the boss of me. Yes. And I, I just love working with these kids because often when, when I, they come in, they want to argue and they, they do. And I'll say to them something like, um, you know, basically it seems to me that you, you argue with, with everything that I say and they always answer in exactly the same way. So I say, you know, you always argue with everything I say and they go, no, no, I don't. And so they're arguing even about that. And so it's just this amazing thing. And so behind that behavior, is a part of the brain called the anterior cingulate gyrus. And the anterior cingulate gyrus, which is in our limbic system, basically does what, what if I can be sound a bit rude, it does loopy thinking. So basically what we do is we do the same dumb stuff in the same dumb way. We kind of go over and over things a bit, which we all do to some extent. But these kids, when that part of their brain is kind of fired up, they just get stuck on an issue and can't move. And so realizing that their brains are stuck 
rather than taking their argumentative, obstinate kind of defiance personally, mm-hmm. realising that that's what's going on and changing that gives parents the freedom to kind of firstly not be hurt emotionally by the yeah. kind of argy-bargy that's going on and then gives them some tools to basically sort out the issue. Whoa. That's really cool. I just have to say, I don't know how else to articulate it other than like that was the, that was the best thing I've ever heard. So I love that. Okay. Say that part of the brain again. It's the anterior. Anterior cingulate gyrus. Okay. And it's, uh, so it's I'm writing part, it down. Part, so it's a part of the brain that helps us to concentrate. Okay. It's not just being able to focus your concentration. So it's really important for that, but it's also about shifting your concentration. So basically children or people, adults have this as well, who basically have issues in this area, they can't change their behavior according to context. So how I should behave in a schoolyard is from how I should behave in a classroom, how I should behave with my friends is different, how I should behave in a church, that kind of, you know, they can't modify their behavior. And so they're always getting into trouble because they just don't shift their actions according to. Yeah. Yeah. And so they seem a bit inappropriate all the time. Yeah. Yes, yes. So they are misunderstood. They seem inappropriate. And so then what's the answer to that? If you have a child that's stuck in that loopy thinking, like you said, or can't transition, what do you do? Well, uh, things that loosen up, if you like, to be not ter- terribly technical about it, the anterior cingulate gyrus, uh, first one's movement. So basically saying to a kid, so most people, most kids that are like this like to stand and deliver an argument they're they're very good at it they kind of it's like they're in court almost and the first trick for the parent is to say this is a really good point you're making come with me and tell me about it or walk with me or i've just got to go and grab something out of the room so we change the context because you see these kids can't they're not they're not basically good at changing context and so you're changing the context that's the first thing that you do the second thing that you might do is you say, okay, well, you, 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 you've listened to this podcast and you thought, this kid's brain's stuck, right? <laughs> this is not about right. me. This is about a stuck brain. And so a stuck brain basically does the same stuff over and over again. So if I'm going to unstuck a step stuck brain, I need to do something that's going to shift it. So maybe I say, have something to eat or have a drink. Let's let's talk about it. They'll be raving. And you say, but you can eat this while we're doing it. And particularly if it's something a bit carby, because carbs calm kids as well. Mm. You don't want to give them too much because they'll gain weight. But, but sometimes in moments of, of, of battle, it can be really useful. And then the other one is, is just basically to lower down the, the volume of your own conversation to a mm-hmm. just a really interested whisper about it so you're trying to slowly bring mm. their level down yeah mm. and then sometimes you might want to throw in just some other distraction as well but um that's a bit later mm. so is this for kids of any age this is what yeah, you would yeah, do yeah okay yeah. And, and who are these kids? I mean, are we talking about boys more so than girls or is it the same? When girls get argumentative, they're good at it. They're really good at it. So um, often the boys stand out more vividly than the girls, but I think yeah. girls can really you know, uh, dig their heels in on an issue. And, you know, the, the battles that I see, particularly between mothers and daughters over some issues is, is quite profound. So I wouldn't yeah. want to... Say that it's just boys, no. Mm. 
It's so interesting because the most important thing that I'm hearing too is, is it's not about you, mom and dad. It's not personal at all. Like the more we understand about the brain and really that's sort of the, you know, peaceful parenting is what I do. And that's really the foundation is really understanding the way the brain works and, um, and, and, and hearing about um, how they get stuck like that. I mean, this is, this is information we need to know because it just means that we can be more peaceful and not be so hurt, like you said, too. Because, you know, parenting will break your heart. <laughs> That's right. And so the point of writing Tricky Behaviours was to try to make misbehaviour in families the abnormal state, not the normal state. Because mm. when misbehaviour is the normal state, the family is held to live in, right? And everyone <laughs> suffers dramatically. Now, one of the big, and so the first part of that, and it's in the book, is basically behind misbehavior is a brain that's not functioning well. Mm. And so starting to be able to read those signs is a massive advantage for parents. But the second thing is to think about how we change the language of parenting. So generally in families, we change from why to what. Now, a lot of us still use the word why, but when we use the word why a lot, it often becomes interrogative. Why would you do that? Why aren't you ready on time? Why did you hit your sister? Why didn't you get your homework done? You know, that kind of stuff. And all of us will still use the word why, obviously. Mm -hmm. But generally, when a kid is misbehaving, as tricky kids often do, the much more powerful word is what? What's going on for you? Mm. You're not okay, so alive. what's going on? Yeah. What's happening for you? Are you okay? So that you're, you're actually interpreting their behavior as a signal of distress because it is yeah and, and it's then, communication yeah letting you know they're not okay that's right these kids often don't have the the verbal skills even though they're smart to articulate their feelings because they yes. uh, aren't in tune with their feelings and so then you might say to them and i use the acronym halts which i'm sure you know about robin where you know are you hungry are you angry are you lonely mm -hmm. are you tired are you stressed um and but what's happening for you are you okay so even if you don't ask those questions, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed, mm -hmm. just thinking them in the back of your head as a parent gives you a kinder response, I think, because you're going, okay, now I need to fix this. So it's not about having a battle because just having a battle with a kid who's, who's tricky just inflames the whole situation and everyone's mm. miserable. So really the person who's going to solve this issue is not the kid. The kid hasn't got the skills. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the parent. And so we need to help them to learn how to resolve it. Mm. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, what this really reminds me and it just makes me think of is, you know, how, how much we, we train for the jobs that we have and uh, the careers that we have. And those are important jobs, but the job of a parent is the most important job, arguably. And mm we have no training for it. And this is exactly the kind of information that every single parent needs to know, right? Because we yeah. do take things personally. And I always say, I work with clients as their kids are about the age of two, because that's when they start to tick us off and really make us mad, right? All the way through those teen years and really just helping them unravel their behavior. Um, but I, I really love your focus on the brain and, and all of that. I think that's, that's fascinating. And so really, we need you day one, don't we? We really need you day one. We need you before. We need you when they're in utero is what we need. <laughs> well, I think we just, we've learned a heck of a lot about brains and how they tick and what goes on and so if we incorporate that into parenting and help parents that just get a 
an idea around it, it's a massive advantage for them because, of course, you are trying to produce good people who will make a contribution to the world and hopefully keep you in a manner to which you've been vaguely accustomed during your lifetime. Um, so at some stage, we want to help them to be successful. And so doing that increases those chances. So I'm going to say I know the answer to this, but I want to ask you, um, what do you say to parents that say, I am not going to ask him to... Um, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, that's a good point. Come on, let walk with me and let's, let's, um, you know, let's talk more about it, share with me, um, you know, and then, and then lower down your level and all of that kind of stuff and just say, no, my kid needs to know that that's not okay to talk like that. My kid needs to know that you can't argue with adults and that there are consequences in life. What do you say to that? So what we, one of the key predictors of success in life is being able to regulate your emotions, being able to calm yourself down when you're upset. And if, you, if you've ever worked with or been in a relationship with an adult who doesn't know how to do that, you'll know the fireworks might be exciting for a little while, but they're not fun long term. Right. And so, right. Now, we need to think, how did we all learn to calm ourselves down? And the truth of the matter is you didn't. You basically learned to calm down because somebody calmed you down. Hmm. So you, you, luck, you were a lucky person and you had a, a, hopefully a, a parent or grandparent or someone who basically took you and probably, you know, cuddled you or said it's okay and soothed you. And so you learn to calm yourself down by being calmed down. And we, and even throughout life, we still do that. So as we mm -hmm. sit together and talk, even, you know, as distant as, as you and I are, we are in some ways just, we're getting into the groove of it. We're calming on, you know, sort of, we do that in great conversation with people. And so it's a lovely part of humanity. And so if you, just say, well, it's your business to sort it out, Not, don't bother me with it, then you're mm. missing one of the great gifts of humanity, which is this mm. joyous moment of, of working through a problem with a child and helping them to learn that there's a better ways of resolving it. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, and, and the fact is they don't have the brain power to really understand what's going on with them. They don't understand their feelings. They can't articulate them and they don't know how to deal with them. So it's up to us to teach them and get ourselves out of the way. So, so, you know, and, and it comes up often, you know, when I talk to parents and I'll say, look, you've got to just find out why, right? I always say, you know, the behavior is here and we've got to find out what's underneath. I'm using my hands to, to talk here. And, and I always say, take the behavior and put it aside for a minute. Let's just connect with the child, right? Find out what's really going on. And then we bring the behavior back. And, and I'd love your opinion on, on how you handle this. And then we say, okay, now that I know what's really going on, how about when the next time you, you know, you're feeling this way, you say, hey, mom, you know, I need a hug instead of mom, I hate you or something like that. Like, how, how do you sort of correct behavior in the moment? What do you tell parents? So the first thing I think is that time in is much more powerful than time out. So parenting has changed. So instead of basically sending you to your room to sort your own issues out, you need a bit of time just with me. Come, come on, we're going to go do something here. Let's go yeah. to the kitchen and we'll get something to eat. Let's go and back. So that's, I think, really important. Now, some kids basically aren't at all aware of their own feelings. And so while it would be nice to say the next time you're feeling upset, come and ask me for a hug. 
some of them have got no idea that they're upset. They've got no idea why they're upset. And so really it's up to the adults to go, hang on, hang on, hang on. We need to kind of do something here. So I, um, I developed a sort of a model of resolving conflicts. And I want yes. to call, call resolve. And I'll go through it if that's okay. I love with it. You, Robin. Yes, please. Um, but, I'll, I'll but I'll tell you where it began. So I started out my career in psychiatric crisis teams. So I'd be on bridges with people who were looking at rather gloomily at the bottom of the bridge. And oh, uh, I was, yeah, and I was kind of very fortunate. Nobody ever did anything. Um, and I would start to try to think about how I can resolve those issues so that essentially, so it, this, this model has its origins in the most severe moments of people's lives. Wow. And then I've applied it to parents as well. So resolve is an acronym. And the first part is to respond with respect. So rather than, and what that means is being proactive as a parent. So that rather than waiting until you've got a head full of steam and you're upset and you're kind of agitated, is basically coming in early and being hyper respectful rather than mm. being antagonistic. So you've got to model the behaviors that you want. There's no point coming in like a, you know, a hothead and expecting a child to calm down because it's not, it's just putting, you know, petrol on the fire. Um, so the other thing that I teach parents to do is that you don't have to show up to every argument that you're invited to. Oh, now, <laughs> so, so tricky kids are going to invite you to a lot of arguments, you know. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And you don't have to show up for them all, you know. Some parents just basically think I've got to resolve, you know, I've got to basically sort everything out. But there are some times you should say, that's very interesting, dear, and um, and wander off to another part of the house and go, you know. So there are moments you can just go, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, of course. I love that. The big commodity that is available is your attention. And so if they're not getting the attention, and some kids love the, well, the kids love the attention anyway, um, that's important. It's then engaging them. And so that's basically the E in resolve. And that's essentially what's what's going on for you. Now, now it's difficult to engage kids because of course, tricky kids will generally ask for something on about nine times before they give up. Can I have an ice cream? Can I have an ice cream? Can I have an ice cream? So you can almost count it, right? So that's, a, that's the average, right? And so our definition of nagging and their definition of nagging are entirely different, right? And so, <laughs> so you're fed up after, you know, the second time probably, but they're, 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 nowhere, they're nowhere near finished, right? And so just knowing that is really powerful. With teenagers, uh, basically teenagers often become monosyllabic. They basically don't talk as much to their parents, right? It's grunt. You know? And so I have the sort of three traffic light rule. So essentially when you're wanting to communicate with a teenager, probably it's best to get them in their car or get them in their vertical, or horizontal rather, in bed and have a chat with them um, so that they can't run away. But basically <laughs> most what? parents, most parents want to use a whole lot of words, right? But the kids go, yes. I, don't, I don't want to listen to a whole lot of words. And so generally what you do is you say, well, okay, I'll make one suggestion and then I'm going to endure three traffic lights of silence mm. because that is the amount of time it will take them to probably say even just one small utterance around this issue. But if I fill up the space with my own words, one of us is talking 
And that's not exactly the outcome I'm after. No. And when was the last time a lecture, which really is what that is, has ever amounted to a change in behavior anyway, right? Or more understanding or a deeper connection, like never, right? Well, that's right. You don't get teenagers going, well, thank you very much. That was very insightful. I've never considered that really as a way of being. And now I take, I'll take it on and basically I promise to basically do this in the future. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. teaching me, mom. I really appreciated that. No, like, yeah, that's fantasy. I love that though. So you, you say something, but you, you, you are very careful with your words. You say as few words as possible and then you wait. That's right. So if you think about the adolescent brain, it's a crowded marketplace. There's a lot of stuff going on in adolescent brains and a very, very small portion of it is allocated to listening to parents. And so <laughs> if there are any messages you want to get through, they've got to be pretty well sharpened and honed. Wait, so they're not going around just hanging off every word we say? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. They're going, how much okay, can I learn? Okay. That's why. Oh, okay. No, of course. Of course. It's, it's so true. I love it. I love how you said that. That's so good. Okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. It was just so funny. So if you said to, uh, say, a teenage boy, uh, how was school today, right? Hmm. And you could open up the hood of their brain and basically really see what was going on. What would be the answer would be something like, well, I was sitting with Joel and we were kind of talking about stuff and I was really worried about this exam that was coming up and I didn't know what to do that. There was a really hot girl over there and I was really interested in her, but actually I've had some feelings for the teacher and I was really worried whether I was mildly perverted. And so I'm not quite sure what's going on here. There's so much testosterone running around my body. I've got no idea what to do with it all. And so I've, you know, I could probably strike up a romantic interest with the lamppost. Now they're not going to say that to you. They can't say that to you. So they'll just say, it was all right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. so, so you get this kind of very kind of abbreviated version of the reality of a teenage brain. Yeah. And so yeah. you don't have much space to get things in and you're yeah. not going to get much out. And so that's important. Then of course, it's basically about sort of uh, seeking to, to basically observe and uh, seek to understand basically what's going on. Mm-hmm. So what's happening mm-hmm. for you. And then it's basically about essentially being able to observe the situation. So when children misbehave or have upsets, um, when all of us probably do as well, when we're angry or upset, there's sort of, it's almost like the surf. We have, there are, there are peaks and there are troughs. And so you'll sometimes see children who um, are upset about something and they start to calm down and then they rev themselves up again. It's almost like a, you know, bring themselves back up because they, they realize they're, they're starting to calm down. And so naturally, of course, nobody remains upset forever. And so if you're going to deliver messages, you want it to be in the troughs, not in the peaks, so that you've got a chance. Okay. And then the really important part is lowering the tone. Now, in lowering the tone, this is where we get into the really fascinating area of neurochemistry. So what's going on behind the behavior? And so I, I work with parents about four major neurochemicals, two that we generally want more of and two that we generally want less of. So let's go through the ones, well, we'll go through them in, in, a, in a funny kind of order. So the, the first one that I talk about 
and you probably, Robin, talk about these things too, so please chip in, um, is dopamine. And dopamine, of course, is the neurochemical responsible for motivation. So it's the party animal of the neurochemical world. And so mm -hmm. it makes us charged, it makes us pumped, it's sort of, you know, it's switched on. Right? And so if anyone has had a child who has a motivational difficulty or has become unmotivated to do things, what you actually have is a deficiency in dopamine. So dopamine basically can be increased and it's increased by challenges, problem solving, quizzes, puzzles, guesstimation games, social interaction, humor, but particularly rhythmic repetitive movements. So sports like down ball, volleyball, percussion, dancing, moving, drumming. Drumming is a big one. So, you know, drummers have amazing amounts of dopamine surging through the system, which is why they've always got wild eyes, right? And so you're, you're wanting to do things with kids to get them charged up and pumped. Okay, yeah, now, that's great. Yeah, yeah, the two that we want less of, the first one is adrenaline. And adrenaline, uh, I don't know whether this translates well culturally, so, but it makes kids chatty, ratty, and scatty is what I call them. So they're basically, they're, they're little, 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 little. So they're motor mouths, right? And they're yeah. all over the place. They're, they're scatty, yeah. they're kind of, yeah. And they're, they're pretty, what I call ratty. They're sort of, they're kind of, you just can't sort of get them in a particular direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, they, kind of they, all they over seem the place. dysregulated, right? They seem yeah, off. They are, they yeah, they are. They're, they're wired, I suppose, is the, is the simple way of putting it. But chatty, ratty, and scatty is kind of my uh, rhyming way of talking about it. them. Yeah, and that's just an interesting, and you see it, and you go, okay, that's what's going on for them. And so this is basically where we just need to start to, to calm things down a bit. Mm. Sometimes uh, just repetition and ritual really is important mm. here. So what you want to have in a family is when there's an upset, you have a sort of standard way of dealing with it. So you don't have to be inventing parenting on the hop all the time. You want yeah. to go, okay, when they're upset, I know that basically me getting upset and you getting upset is not going to help the situation. So I'm going to become calmer. This is not how we do this in this family, but in this family, what we stand for is blah, 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 blah. And what I really want to do is because I want you to have a happy life. I mean, they won't, they won't listen to the words because I've just said that it's full of other stuff, right? Their brains. But at the same time, just having that sort of soothing kind of, Let's just go over this main message again. A word from the sponsor. Basically, this family is about blah, 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 right? And they go, okay, yeah, yeah, you told me, I know. It's what most kids will do, right? And, um, but at least it sort of brings the level of the conflict down. Cortisol does a different thing. Cortisol basically makes kids monosyllabic. So this is where they grunt at you, you know, this is not, this is not language stuff, it's got a, but it's high stress. And so um, water is really just drinking water, eating, uh, moving, but not getting, not getting into a threat situation. So here's what, what's going on for you. What's, what's happening? What, how can I help? Right? Um, the last one, of course, is serotonin, the most powerful antidepressant known to humankind, really. And uh, feedback, uh, rewards, uh, recognition, acknowledgement, you're an amazing kid, what's going on, you know, all that kind of stuff, makes an incredible difference mm -hmm. to that. And so starting to see that behind the behaviour is a brain, that brain is imbalanced in terms of neurochemicals, and we can do some things to help re-establish a more balanced, more regulated brain, then creates a happier family.
This wow. is powerful, powerful information in a family. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely powerful. I think for us and for our kids, like for everybody. Um, wh where does oxytocin come in, though? Oxytocin's in all of it because, of course, oxytocin's produced when we we engage in relationships. So when we do things together. So you can get an oxytocin hit from an argument because if both, yeah. So if both of us are arguing in the same way, well, think about it probably, you might've had a situation as an adult where you've had a really intense conversation about a social issue, maybe a political issue or something like that with a friend. And it's been, it's been quite kind of, uh, not heated, but it's been intense, but it's been great fun. You know, you know that the relationship's not a threat. We're having a really powerful kind of discussion yeah. about something. And you, the next day, that was a great conversation. It was just fantastic. We don't have them very often, but we, when we do have them, we enjoy them quite a lot. And so you can, when we do things that mirror one another, then oxytocin is produced because basically we feel connected and linked and belonging. Yeah incredibly powerful now okay so if that's if it's the dance between people that creates oxytocin then you've got to think what do i want the dance to be and who do i want to lead the dance and if you have a tricky kid leading the dance you're in trouble oh yeah yeah so the person who's going to have to lead this dance guess who it is is the, the generally the taller person in the family right um and so you cannot then have to equip yourself with the skills of going what's the dance that i want and how do I create that when it's not going the way I want it to? Right. So, okay. So I, again, I, I can't say it enough. Um, this is so important. And, uh, and I know we're still mid resolve, so we'll get back to, to the last couple letters there, but I just want to ask you, so, so we're, we're talking just to sort of recap, right? Adrenaline and cortisol are the ones we want less of, and we, we can manage those or lower those by, um, lowering the, 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 the energy, right? Lowering, keeping things calmer, right? If your child is really wired, you become the calm, right? So to, to anchor them, right? And then cortisol, um, you can lower that by um, water, eating, moving. Uh, and a lot of kids after school have, have heightened cortisol from, from just having to be good all day using air quotes, right? And so they need to, they sometimes need to exercise or burn something off, have a snack, whatever, so that they can regulate, right? Can get back to a more even keel. Yeah, right? and all, yeah, and also I think the way that we greet young people as they return from school is so important. So often, often a parent will say to a child, how was your dad's school? And really i think it's far better to, to turn to them and say oh it's great to see you i've missed mm. you all day i really want to see you i want to talk to you and uh yeah what's what was sort of cool today or what what happened that you really liked or something like that so you you're you're greeting them in a you're bringing them into a positive world because they're exhausted they've been holding it together at school dealing with who knows what and they're back in your safety so in a way parenting is like protective custody <laughs> you know basically you're in my care yeah, yeah yeah and and signaling that you're back now i mean ideally our homes and our best relationships are like havens of safety you know in a in a chaotic world right and that's why time in is so important you know come mm -hmm. on, it'll be okay you know what's what's, well, what's I, going on for you 
let's let's it, see if we can help you calm down. Yeah, and it's also acknowledging validating feelings and saying that it's okay that you have big feelings and I'm right here with you. I'm not sending you away from me to go deal with your feelings. I'm I'm right here with you. I get it. Like that's hard. It's hard to be three sometimes. It's hard to be seven sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to deal with a whole lot of other seven year olds or 15 year olds or three year olds as well you know they're all got their own issues and so if you've been hanging out with them you're a bit fraught Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the signal the signal that uh home is a different world Mm. is a really important one i think so in a way creating a home that doesn't mirror the outside world at all benefits Mm. us big time so we used to have quite you know, strong barriers between the privacy of the family home and the outer world. And that's been eroded in many, many ways now. So there's not the sort of transition back in. And so the only transition back in now is the way a parent greets a child as they return home. Mm. And so that initial greeting is so powerful. And really what you want is for a child, as soon as they see you to breathe, sigh a, 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 a breath of relief and go, oh, thank goodness, mum's here or dad's mm-hmm. here. Things are going to be okay. Yeah, that's yeah. really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. I, I remember when I first started working from home and my kids didn't have to go to like after school care anymore or anything like that. Uh, I would I would put aromatherapy on and, you know, just before they got home and just make sure there were snacks on the island for them and, you know, really trying to do my best to create a really calming experience for them, especially because yeah. my son has tricky behaviors, right? So, um, so yeah, so it's funny that, you know, and I didn't do that for any reason other than I just thought that was a good idea. <laughs> You know, yeah, so but, and uh, for other people that might be putting on some crazy music and dancing, you know, it can be rev up as well as calm down. Okay. Um, depends on the child, but it's, it's yeah. and you and your own style, so it's okay to muck around with it. But a clear message is you're in my zone now, mm-hmm. that's a different zone than school was or yeah. wherever you're, 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 um, you're safe here. Oh, I love that! I love that. Okay, and so then we're talking about um, dopamine and serotonin. And mm. so how do we, so, so we pump up dopamine and serotonin. So you said dopamine is like repetitive, <laughs> percussive yeah, <laughs> in terms movements. of drumming. Let's, let's, yeah. Let's, let's kind of moving. On. Yeah. Movements. Um, and then how about serotonin? How do we, how do we boost that? Well, it's partly by acknowledgement. And so essentially all of us want to be seen for our best attributes really. And so one of the things that I did uh, or have done is set up a website called mylearningstrengths.com where, oh, awesome. and you might want to go on it and have a look and you'll see a great photo of me. And then you can mm-hmm. analyze your own learning strengths and you get a free letter that says, congratulations, Robin, you're really good at this and this. And you want to get better in another area, here's a way of doing it. And uh, the reason I did was because I think very few kids get to be told by an adult who's neither their parent nor their teacher about things that they're good about good at Mm. and so what really in terms of bring that bit so that's that's useful for for all all children all people um and twenty seven thousand kids have done it this last year so it's pretty been very popular which is great and i get great emails back but in terms of but, but to apply that back to parenting you really want 
to know that your parent thinks you are a legend, that you are amazing. You are an incredible person, right? And so when a parent conveys that belief in you, that you are just going to be amazing. I don't know what you're going to do with your life. I've got no idea about that. But I know you're an incredible person and I just love you to bits, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. That changes the family. You know, so just being prepared to really be upfront about, you know, I just think, you know, having you has been one of the best parts of my life. I love that. I love that. So, um, what was the site again? I'm sorry. Oh, mylearningstrengths.com. My learning strengths. Okay. Um, I'm going to make sure we put that in the show notes because I know everybody's going to want that. So mylearningstrengths.com. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And I think that the message that often kids get is that they're not good enough because we're just pointing out the bad stuff that they're doing and not recognizing the good stuff. So I think too, when you are pointing those things out, it's gotta be authentic and real, right? And, yeah. Um, yeah. but also, yeah, you know, just saying like, I'm just, I feel so lucky that I get to be your mom. You know, it makes yeah. me feel yeah. so good to be close to you, to be near you, you know, I just, yeah, I just love you. Uh, wow, yeah. What, yeah. how great yeah. life is having you in my life. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I say to my kids all the time, you know, that's great. That's great. So, <laughs> um, so in, in terms of brains, there are, there are multiple ways of processing information, but in terms of emotions, there are only two. And one is driven by your amygdala, which is fear, stress, you know, and pain. And the other is your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland that release oxytocin. And so you have a choice now, basically, which way to parent, you want to be a fear based parent, or do you want to be an oxytocin based parent? And no prizes for guessing which one I recommend for you because the oxytocin pathway is much, much better, right? Yeah. Right. So having a sense of belonging, connection, belief in you, all that stuff that we've just talked about produces that oxytocin. And that then increases the dopamine and the serotonin and decreases mm. the amygdala stuff, which is the cortisol and the adrenaline, just to put it together. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's so good and, and really so validating because that is, you know, it's what, what I talk about all the time is how important all of that is. So I love, I love everything that you're saying. It's so good. Uh, but let's get back to resolve. So we've, we've talked about the R, which is respond with respect and oh boy, is that so important. And often we think that, and, and, you know, just, just in the way things are, in, in the parents that I've talked to and, you know, it's like, well, my kid needs to respect me, but actually respect begets respect. So we need to respect first. And that I think is a, is a basic human uh, right to be respected, right? So you respond with respect and then engage and build belonging is the E. And then S is seek understanding. O is observe feelings. L is lower the temper. Okay. Lower, sorry, lower the tempo, not your temper, the tempo, but maybe that is too. Um, and then, uh, and then can you describe the last couple for me, please? Yeah. So value add is really saying, how can I help? Mm. Pretty simple, isn't it? And mm. then the, the E is empower. So that basically long-term, we don't want to spend all of our lives regulating our kids' emotion. We need to help them learn to do it, but they're not going to learn it independently. So I need to basically talk to them about ways that they can feel better about themselves as well. How about we go for a walk now? How do you feel? Do you feel as angry as you did before? Oh, no. Do you think sometimes going for a walk might be a useful thing? Or do you think sometimes listening to a song might, you know, there's, there's different ways we can do that. So you're really seeking out 
different strategies to help them deal with upsets so that mm. they are equipped. So for example, you might have a playlist of really, you know, pump you up songs to kind of all really calming songs. Um, th there's things that you can do that suit different children that they then can apply when they're having a tough day. Because, you mm. know, they will at some stage in their life and they need to have some strategies for dealing with that tough day. Mm. Okay, so let me ask you then, because this, so thank you for that resolve. I'm going to also put that in the show notes. I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm just putting on the spot right now and just telling you because it, it's really, really good. Really, really good. Now, this is all good dealing with one child at a time. How do you deal with, I've got four kids coming home. They're all you know, they're all, they're all being, um, wait, wait, what is it? It's, uh, ready. Uh, they're all super wired. They're all in adrenaline. How do you handle one at a time? Maybe they're, 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 there's some sibling rivalry in there. They're, they're, you know, um, not being nice to each other. They're not being nice to you. They're just all over there. There's one's crying, one's laughing. You know, what, how do you handle that? Yeah, it's like it's like a, a triage system, isn't it? You've got to work out basically who needs them, who needs what. So the first thing is that you've got to set the climate of the family. So there's mm -hmm. got to be so when a family functions well, it's people don't think about it much because this is just the way we do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing is to be just conscious of what sort of climate am I setting up? Now, it's not going to work all the time because nothing works all the time. We know mm -hmm. that. But at the same time, the dominant culture or climate of the family is one that the adult sets that they want. Mm. Now, coming into that will be little weather storms that basically are suffering from the, the you know, things that they've done at school or wherever in the outside world. And then you've got to work out who to go to, to basically just who needs the most soothing first, really. Mm. And I think having that question in your head and yes, okay, you're not, you can't sort of clone yourself and run around to the mall, but by the way you greet them and the way that you kind of treat them to some extent, you will calm them and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And giving them some individual acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I hear you say is you've got to set the tone, right? Yeah. You are responsible for the energy of your home mm. and maybe they're all wired and maybe wild, maybe because, and I, and I don't want to blame parents because we're just doing the best we can. Right. And we only know, like, we don't know what we don't know, but maybe your energy is a little frantic. Maybe you're a little stressed, right? Because we do know that our, like stress is contagious. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so, so that could be part of the problem is it could partly be us and maybe we're feeling overwhelmed and it's too much. And we're telling ourselves that it, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then everybody kind of feels it. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. right. But sadly, if you give a sense that your um, your attention is scarce, they will usually act up to gain it anyway. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you, actually, parents, I, I hate to say this, but you don't have a choice. You, you actually have to attend to your kids, really. And so it's it's got to be one way that it can be either on your terms or on their terms. And I'd recommend it's on your terms. So really what you're doing is going... Mm -hmm. Let's say you've got two kids and, and, and one children, one child's basically arcing up about something and the other one's kind of calm. I'd turn to the one who's arcing up and go, so do you need some time with me? Do you need to basically, do you need some 
some help there. Are you okay? What's happening for you? Um, so that you're basically giving that process of resolve a chance to act in the family. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, okay, so hypothetically, you're, you say to the one, you've, you've decided who's triage, who, who, you, who you're triaging first, and <laughs> yeah. you, you go to that one and you go, you know, oh, love bug, like it looks like you're just feeling a little whatever, frazzled or whatever, come sit with me, let's have a little mm. cuddle, and then another child comes and says, why do I cuddle first, and get out of the way, and why do you always cuddle her first, how do you handle jealousy, how do you handle competition, Ah, so you would like some time too. Excellent. Come over here. Awesome. awesome. Okay. There's enough, okay. there's enough, there's enough love to go around. Oh, it's not, it's not like it's, it's not that if I get a lot of love, you're not going to get much. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. one of the cultural things, isn't it? Right. You know, yeah. There's, there's plenty here. Okay. Um, yeah. Mommy's got lots of room, right? And, that's right. That's and, right. and sometimes you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so beautiful. So, so the world can be competitive in terms of who gets what and all of that, but I've got a big heart and, you know, there's plenty here. Yeah, you want more? Great. I've got plenty to give. So it becomes a very, so it's almost like you're, again, creating a world which is different than the world. Yeah. Yeah, because the world is segmenting, isn't it, and kind of competitive and harsh in many ways. Yeah. And I don't think that's the situation in which kids thrive best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is, I just love that. I just love it so much. Thank you so much. And so you have shared so much wisdom and, uh, you know, every, every time I talk to a guest, I, uh, I sort of decide where the clip is going to be that I'm going to use when we share this out. And I, I don't know which clip I'm going to use because <laughs> everything you said was so good. So I just hope everybody enjoyed everything that you had to say. You said it in such a brilliant way. And um, I'm, I'm like a huge fan of you already just after talking to you for an hour. So um, Andrew Fuller, thank you so much. And, and I just wanna say before you go um, at, on, in, the, in the parent toolbox, you are giving us really a guide to tricky behaviors and what to do with them. And so you can find that in the toolbox, which is, which is www.parent-toolbox.com. And I just want to thank you so much for that too, because we just need the help. We just need to know what we don't know. And I think that when we know better, in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. And we just need the help. That's it, you know? So thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Robin. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe, and if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.